It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Barely in Topic. We're recording early this morning. I mean, we're recording in the morning. So this will be fun. on Monday, so like all sorts of things are out of, are out of whack. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, typically I don't say, hey, let's do this in the morning because... I'm not a morning person, but here we are. We're doing it because uh, my husband has meetings via Zoom and Teams over the the afternoon. So this is the time that we have to do it. Okay. So anyway, I am VA and I am here, of course, with Jeff. Yo. And Tim. Hello. Hello. And Nick, again, is on assignment. This assignment is actually work. He is on assignment to acquire money to pay rent and feed himself. <laughs> yes, and to deal with the surging COVID cases that are happening within his company. Whew, I do not want to be Nick right now. Neither do I. No. A lot happened this week. It, we had a, a, a lot of conversation just before this uh, about what happened this week. And I, and I want to start off with the big news. We're going to lead up to it. As as Jeff said, there was a lot of foreshadowing uh, based on these moves, these free agent moves by Don Sweeney. So we're going to talk about free agency first. You know, okay, can, can we just start off right off the bat talking about the one free agent that none of us talked about <laughs> before this? Yes. Oh, Omar. shit. Well, I was going to think we would do chronologically first covering, um, despite it looking kind of dicey, the night before free agency, oh, Mike Riley resigned. Yes, yes, that is true. We should talk about that. Uh, yes. Uh, I was really thrown off by the fact that it was not announced until the next morning. Uh, not officially announced. It was like, it was, it was like, it was the worst kept secret in Twitter. Yeah, it was out there. We had terms, but like it. It wasn't announced until around the time that free agency actually started. Right, which I was very curious about. I'm like, why? You could just say it. You still had his rights, right? Was there anything illegal about there, that? There was nothing illegal about that. Nope, right up. They they had every opportunity to sign him prior to noon at any time, even including that morning, right? Anyway, three years, three million, no trade protection. I was very shocked by that, but okay, that's good. That makes it easier. Um, yeah, um, a little bit of uneven salary structure, but nothing special. It makes two makes two million this coming season. Second season of the deal makes two point seven five as his base salary with a two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar signing bonus, and then in twenty three twenty four four million. Basically, keep it cheap next year. Rise, um, rises as the um, uh, as revenues go back up, as things go back to normal, which you're a recurring theme in a lot of contracts that were signed this past week across the league. And importantly, they knew how to structure the contract and didn't have a mistake in the contract like, oh, I don't know, Seattle did with Philip Grubauer. <laughs> which, uh, which is amusing and creates a very interesting thing because he continues. To, they haven't restructured it yet, have they? I don't I think, think so. Just, no. So weird. Yeah. I mean, the Seattle Kraken, I know they had to give up a lot of money to, to have that franchise, but Bruckheimer can, or not Bruckheimer. Yeah, it was, 
was it Brockheimer? Yeah. Yeah, he he's can, part of the he's part of the, of the you know. He's got boatloads of money, so it's okay. But uh that team made buku money, you know, because they have sold out all of their season ticket plans. So they have money to spend. It's okay. But of course they we knew that they would because of everything that's gone down. Now, know. mind you, almost nothing they've done made has made a whole lot of sense. But anyway, <laughs> People said yeah. that about Vegas, too, so I will, you know, wait to see them on ice before I pass judgment. Yeah, I, I can just tell you right now, those jerseys are sweet, road and home. Again, the Trogdor logo is fantastic, so. Trogdor! <laughs> I, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Um, Burninating in the ice rink, burninating in the locker room, Trogdor! <laughs> <laughs> Burning on a peasant. <laughs> I know I said that I was going to get the the jersey of the Bruins player that we lost. I mean, assuming that Jeremy Lozon is on the active roster. I don't think he will be. He's probably not one of their top six defensemen. <laughs> I know. I know. So then I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to need to get a jersey this year. So I'm waiting to see what happens with that. And then he's like, well, who are you going to get otherwise? He's like, what, you're going to get Alexiak? I'm like, of course I am because he's tall. large defenseman is your thing so it is my thing (laughs) of course i was gonna do that you know but anyway let's get back to mike riley yeah so he said that was always his intention to to sign with boston okay Uh, he loves the the culture here like a lot of these guys talked about the culture whether or Mm -hmm. not they experienced it but uh you know apparently the the dressing room culture of it has spread wide across the league and people talk about that as a a main feature of coming here you know and then he said he was eager to prove himself which is good i mean he's been a journeyman and it would be nice to just kind of settle down for a little bit yes that's nice it was the a smarter move than a lot of the same type of defensemen that were being talked about yep i don't have any problem with the term I don't have any problem with the money. I think that playing beside Brandon Carlo, a healthy Brandon Carlo, will be good because uh, the two of them will make they up They cancel each, each other out laws. Yes, exactly. That's what I was just getting to. Because <laughs> Riley, let's face it, has substantial defensive warts. I think that it's, it's really hard for an offensive-minded defenseman to be able to round it up on the backside as well. Exactly, and and then of course Carlo, Carlo, love him to death. The offense tends to die in a stick both directions, which again, that's his job. So having Riley there, good. <laughs> I love Brandon Carlo, and you can't say anything bad about him. Again, I start. I love him to death. I, I was a straight up acknowledgement of his doing been, what he's there to do. <laughs> I, that is my boy from day one. I love him. Anyway, Bobby Orr ruined it for everybody. He was just that awesome. And nobody has been that level of awesome since. They've come close, but not that that awesome. So we're very lucky as Bruins fans to have him in our lore. Again, well, there's the thing about being being a Bruins fan and, 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 and appreciating defensemen. It's very challenging because, like, an absolute fucking murderer's row of, 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 of all-time great defensemen. Uh, yeah, Ray Bork as well. I forgot about him. Ray Bork. Because- we, had, we had late career Brad Park. We had Chara. 
I mean, if you go back even further, Shore and Clapper, like, come the fuck on. I know. I'm just saying, like, Ray Bork is the only other Bruin I can think of who compares to Bobby Orr in that same respect. Absolutely, yes. Right. So, like, they're in the same conversation. I just forgot about uh, Ray Bork because Bobby Orr is so, he looms so large. That's all. Mm -hmm. Not that Ray Ray Bork doesn't. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, Derek Forbort because, well... I think that was that the was, earliest. Yeah, was that was the, the only one that was announced particularly close to the opening of free agency. Uh, and it was like an hour or two in because I was like <laughs> bored out of my mind. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh my um, gosh. So Elliot Friedman had been on that one for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about this one, right? Like, let me let me sell you on Derek Forbort, Jeff. OK, proceed. He, he was named after Derek Sanderson which is his father's favorite player growing up. He said his first NHL hockey card was Derek Sanderson. And he said this, yeah, that's where I want to go. I love that city. I've heard it's an unbelievable group of guys. This is what he said, you know, during the interview uh, with Eric Russo or whoever it was, or maybe it was with the media. He he said, yeah, this is what I want uh, because he used to play for the Manchester Monarchs. Viva Manch Vegas, baby. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he would come down to Boston quite a bit, so he already loved Boston. And he spoke to Carson Kuhlman, a fe- fellow Minnesotan. Now, I think that it was mind. He spoke through their minds because all Minnesotans are psychic and oh. they all know each other. It's very boring. It's not very exciting talk. I mean, come on. But they, they all know each other. I was going to say, they're going to talk about, like, I don't know, what are they going to talk about otherwise? Walleye? Oh, yeah, they don't live in the land of cheese, but they do have a Jolly Green Giant statue somewhere in the middle of uh, the Jolly Green Giant farming complex. I tried to find that statue, and I got lost in one of the many rows of, like, I mean, they're just all about statues of giants, because I'm pretty sure they got Paul Bunyan statue there somewhere, too. (laughs) Yep, yep. So, So, basically, it's all of that stuff. So, you know, Carson Coleman told him all about it, and it's psychically, and it was great. He has not met Derek Sanderson yet, but I have a feeling that's going to happen at some point. Oh, it's got to. Derek Sanderson's around town. He's a financial planner or a hedge fund manager or something. He's he's around. But here we go. Derek Forbort has size. He's 6'4", 219. I think that's why he was brought on. I mean, he's a lefty, but he also has size. So maybe he can dissuade people from taking liberties against some of our forwards. Well, there's the city. He's clear. He's he's a, explicitly a Lausanne replacement. Like it sucks that we're paying a lot more for more or less the same thing. Free agency, man. It's free agency, and like, what were you gonna do? Like, I know there's people still there. There are people out there shrieking about about how they let Lausanne go. It's like he's just some guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> it sounds like. <laughs> when I wrote up an article about free agency, I'm like, Don Sweeney signed some guys. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put the you know, though. Um. Anyway, so Forbort played uh, mostly on the second pairing left side in Winnipeg with catastrophic results. But you got to understand that he is not a second pairing defenseman. Yeah. Um, And Winnipeg's defense was catastrophic. And they were playing they were playing man to man. 
and his player profile isn't really well suited to that. No. Because he's not he, – he skates well enough, but, like, he's a big dude, so there's there's obviously limits to his mobility, right? Yeah, I, it would be smarter to have him just, like, kind of play zone and, and get into the area that he needs to be in. Yeah, and so what Bruins are bringing him here for is to be the the hard match, play most of the penalty kill with uh, opposite uh, opposite Carlo, you know, so filling the variably Chara or Lausanne roles as they've been in the past, to provide some stability then to the always to, to the eternal adventure that is Cliffy Hockey, <laughs> and that is the only way to describe describe Cliffy Hockey. It is a fucking adventure, good it and bad. Is. It, it, it is a. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being Cliffy Hockey, and and not only is it an adventure, it's a choose your own adventure. <laughs> that must be in so exciting way, for him. In which way are people going to gasp? But I'm on the ice today. <laughs> <laughs> in horror or in surprise? In <laughs> All right. So yeah, he was signed for three years, three million AAV. Yep, uh, two million base salary in year one. Two point five million base salary plus a bonus in year plus a one million bonus in year two and three point five million base salary in year three. And he has modified no trade clause throughout. Yes, uh, ten team next season. Yep, no trade list. Eight no team. Eight team no trade in twenty two twenty three, and then in twenty three twenty four the hilariously meaningless three team no trade list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go to Basically I assume places. all three all, all three will say Buffalo <laughs> or maybe it'll be like Buffalo Buffalo Ottawa or something like that. <laughs> Buffalo Detroit Arizona. <laughs> Honestly if you're a fringe NHLer being paid too much Arizona should probably be at the top of your no trade list all the time. Yeah. 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 Because that's where you go to die. <laughs> Well, I mean, lots of old people retire I mean, to the desert. <laughs> I'm just going to say, yes, a lot of people go to Arizona to die, yes. But anyway. <laughs> At least it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, that, that that argument has some merit on account of us, you know, being, a, be, 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 being New Englanders and one of us having it even worse on the humidity front living in Nova Scotia. Dear Lord. <laughs> oh, man, I really hate humidity but i gotta tell you no i didn't have this problem in arizona because i went in like february to a super bowl anyway but when i went to moab utah that was an experience in dry heat i have never drunk so much water in my life as when we went to uh, Arches National Park, which is a gorgeous place. And I, I actually want to go back again. The flip side is at least in dry heat, when you sweat, it achieves something in terms of keeping and cooling yourself down. In humidity, you just keep on sweating forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I went there in October and I was like just so parched. And I brought like two Nalgene's with me, two sizable Nalgene's. And my husband's like, I'll get by with just this little bit. I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> I was gonna say I go hiking in New England, and that two liters in, in, the, in that two liters isn't gonna get the job fucking done. <laughs> no, no, I had like easily four liters on me. They encourage you to to tap up to to take the water as you're going into the park, and and I did that, so I was fine. Next time I'm I'm gonna bring my actual hiking shoes, so that'll be good, or hiking boots, one or the other. Okay, so which one's next? Is it Hola? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Howla was the next one announced. Um, so, so center slash left wing Eric Howla signed for two years at three seven five. No, two point three seven five. Two point three seven five. Yes, my bad. Yeah, I, that's a very all those numbers decision. were in there, just not necessarily in the right places. Um. That's okay. I was <laughs> I was not correcting you to be like bad Jeff. I was correct, I was correcting you to say like no, no, two point three seven five. We all mess up in interplay numbers. It's fine. Uh, no trade protection. Yep. Two years makes two and a quarter this this coming season and uh, two point five the year after. Pretty clean he, contract contract structure. Yep. He's had a rough couple. He's had a rough couple seasons. Yes, he he had an injury that he had Missed to recover season. from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he after having that big breakout season during um uh, the Vegas's um, inaugural uh, season of play. He, he basically missed the entire next season uh, or played 15 games the next season with uh, injury and then got traded on his wedding day. Oh, God, that's oh. awful. To the Canes, where apparently he was neither a fit on the ice or or off the ice. It was just it was just a bad scene for him. Put up 22 and 41 nonetheless, like the like 12, 10, 22, and then got traded to the Panthers in a cap dump as part of that weird Vince Trotek trade. And then they let him go to UFA and then signed predator signed last fall in the predators, at the 11th hour did. Okay. Nine, 12, 21 and 51 games. The guy wants some stability. So what makes him interesting is that he's center slash left wing. And this is going to be a growing theme as we uh, go through the rest of these signings. And he says that he feels his natural position is center. Oh, interesting. Okay. Which raises some foreshadowing. About, foreshadowing and questions about what the team plans on doing, uh, how the team plans on using Charlie Coyle because he's a third line center. He is not a second line center. He's not a fourth line center. He's a third line center. Ominous music. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. No, no. Ooh. No, 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 no. Anyway, um, maybe a tiny overpay, nothing major, like one or two hundred thousand more than necessary. And again, it's it's, uh, it, it's free agency, so these things happen, right? So I like the signing. You know, low risk. The guy does something. The, the, the guy's reasonably productive. Maybe with stability, he'll have a bounce back. He probably is not going to be what he do what he did that first season in Vegas. But you know, look, if it doesn't work out, you can get traded. Personally, I feel like. The bar is kind of low in the respect of like, hey, can you do better than uh, Jake DeBrusque? All right. <laughs> well, that's just instinct. Well, congratulations. You're now you're now joining the bottom Boston Bruins bottom six. Really, the only person we're not asking you to be better than, and even though, but we'll accept it anyway, is Charlie Coyle. Because other than that, it is a murderer's row of meh. Because mm-hmm. it is. We are asking you to be better than Jake DeBrusque, better than Nick Ritchie, better than right wing, uh, third line right wing to be named later. Um, and <laughs> miscellaneous fourth liners. <laughs> what he said was, it's a very good team, always in the mix, chance to win, great culture, great city, great fans, so much positives. He said much. It's okay. It was hard to overlook. So... I mean, he's saying the the things that hockey players say, uh, but he's been teammates with both Charlie Coyle and Mike Riley in Minnesota. 
and with Noshek in 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 Vegas, and we haven't even talked about him yet, but that's okay. Hey, guess what? We're going to talk about another guy that was signed in a minute. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so he said that uh, he contacted Charlie Coyle, at, who gave him some ad- living advice, living wise advice, or suggestions on, I guess, where to live in Boston or what to do in Boston. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty interesting. I mean, he's got a good enough relationship with Charlie Coyle that he can call or text him. I guess that's maybe that's not that off. Um, that's not that. Uh, awkward in hockey, but you know. Well, I mean, they were the same part of the same generation of what, the guys were supposed to be the up and coming prospects when when the Wild signed um, uh, Parise and Suter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like their next wave, their 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 so called middle class was at one point was was Coyle, Howla, Niederreiter, Grandland, Zucker. Um, you'll notice that every single one of these players now play elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Zucker. And in almost every, and in every single case, they, they with the possible exception of Zucker, they for hilariously underwhelming returns. And well, I guess Grandland they got Fiala, so fair enough. But I just often think about Zucker and how much I would love to have had him on the Bruins, and then he and his best friend could be together again, <laughs> uh, because he and and uh, Charlie Coyle are best friends. I think Charlie Coyle was his best man, and. Everybody remembers that hilarious cameo that uh, Carly Zucker got of uh, Charlie Coyle giving Jason a pep talk after coming back from injury. <laughs> she said it was the best money she'd ever spent. Plus, Zucker's been a bad fit in, in Pittsburgh. And interestingly, he's still a penguin at this point, which is weird. It could yeah. happen. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> And Hella is, uh, he fits our, you know, we need to have at least one fin. Uh-oh, more foreboding, foreshadowing. <laughs> you know, so there we go. I, I think, uh, I, I like that he's versatile in playing two positions. So even if he thinks that his natural this, position this, is C. This, this will be a recurring theme as we go through these signings, of course, is. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Increasingly <laughs> ominous. Oh, oh, was that a lightning bolt? Oh, fuck. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Okay. Uh, so then on to Thomas Noshek or Thomas Noshek, who is a left wing and center. Hey. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Weird. Recurring theme again, huh? Uh, 28. Um, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Yes. Left wing and center. Um, played a lot of third line for Vegas this past year, but has mostly been a fourth liner thus far mm-hmm. in his career. Also, I'd point out that despite the fact that he's um uh, that, he, that he's 28, he's pretty low mileage because he didn't become a full-time NHLer until he was taken by Vegas, where he was given a series of one-year contracts, which was frustrating for him. You know, he felt like every year he had to play for a contract, and and I understand that can be very loathsome for a player. You would like to have a little comfort, so he signed a two-year deal with the Bruins. Mm-hmm. And based at look, looking at his uh, stats, this year's a bit of an anomaly based on games play, but the guy is like clockwork, good for eight goals and high single digits assists. Okay. Oh, no, 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 ser- seriously, seriously, it is four seasons in Vegas. Seven, eight, and 15 in 67. Eight, nine, and 17 in 68. 
8, 7, and 15 in 67, 8, 10, and 18 in 38. Coincidentally, that's better than the guy that he's replacing, who also, get this, the the two guys' sizes are very interesting. Noshek is uh, 6'2", 205. Corrali was 6'2", 213. Interestingly, also a fourth line center slash left wing. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll talk about Corelli later. But anyway. Um, yes. Anyway, no, no, no trade protections on that deal. Pays $1.5 the coming season, $2 million the season after. Again, as I said, most of these are backloaded because teams don't want to spend too, too much money in the coming season. Uh, and it's, you know, $1.75 million cap hit. So, yeah. Uh, important to say that part because people worry yes. about caps. Um, uh, yes, yes. So uh, okay, so he uh, he he feels like the team ambition is high, so he's very excited to to be here, and he cites Boston as a more European city, which is something we've heard from every Czech player, every Slovak player, <laughs> and he said and that's why that he's a Czech it. player. Um, uh, that may also be some mild foreshadowing. Yes. <sighs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, at least Pasta's going to have another Czech friend, right? So it's good. Um, yes. Okay, so, oh, yes, we get to talk about... Are we going consecutively, or should we talk about uh, another center left, left wing, right wing? Well, we'll do well? the last forward first, and then we'll move on to the, to the, to the big signing of the day. <laughs> okay, okay. So, hey, guess what? We've got Nick Foligno now. This was unexpected. It, it was unexpected. Very. N- nice guy. Everybody loves Nick Foligno. Guess what? His birthday? Halloween. And it is. Oh, that's cool. Foreshadowing. No, it's not really <laughs> foreshadowing. Uh, but I think that's Halloween really cool. special. Nick Foligno. Yeah. Uh, so he uh, signed for two years, 3.8 million AAV. You can break that yep. down some more. Um, uh, yep. So... Uh... Makes uh, 3.8, so 3.8 in base salary this coming season. And then next season makes, uh, all, well, obviously also makes 3.8 total, but 1 million of that is a signing bonus for 22-23, followed by 2.8 million um, in base salary. And in terms of protections, he has an NMC in this coming season, but in 22-23 has a 16-team tra- no-trade list. That is that is definitely feeling a little bit foreboding, doesn't it? <laughs> Again, we'll get to this because uh, and th- this is a thing that, that Sweeney did a lot of that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, so again, versatility and size. He's six foot, two hundred eight, two hundred eight pounds. He's a left shot, but play but can play all three forward positions. I love the versatility, man. I love it. Odds on, based on the sheer volume of left wings, he is not going to be asked to be played left, play left wing at any point. Uh, so he's most likely going to be play center, play right wing, or well, ominous foreshadowing, possibly center. Yeah, foreshadowing. Halloween foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I got Tim on it. It's great. <laughs> he didn't have a great season. Like he's thirty-four. But he's a real heart guy. He's a real yeah. heart guy. He leaves everything possible on the ice. They're not paying him that much. They're basically paying him to be what they wanted Bacchus to be. Yep, but much less. 
and yes. yeah, Bacchus is an. I mean, he is. He feels very much like Bacchus in that respect. And 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 you know what? You need some heart guys out there. You do. Uh, not that Bergy isn't enough for all of us, but you know, it's nice to spread it around. Um, and, and speaking, speaking of, of hearts. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's funny because I was going with the speaking of hearts, but you went with the speaking of Bergy. Both of these apply. Um, we'll go with your speak. Uh, speaking of Bergy, I'll, I'll go back to the heart. Uh, Bergy uh, called him and basically recruited him. It, it's it's the, the what happened with Craig Smith, which basically the answer is if Bergeron calls you and asks you to be a Bruin. You say yes. Why? Yeah. Berkey could call me to do it, to ask me to do anything, and I would do it. I mean, if Berkey called me and asked me to Buffalo Saber, that might be a line, but I don't think he would do that. He's too kind. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't do that to someone. You know, I I just feel like Berkey, if you want me to do, I'll do your laundry. Um, I'll even do windows. It's fine. But anyway, uh, yeah. So he said that that carried a lot of weight with him to have Berkey call him and and personally. Talk to him about being a Bruin. And, and Felino, it just seems like a good fit for him. He's that kind of guy. He also um, he also said that his daughter's surgery that she had at the Boston Children's Center, I think it was. Um, yeah, Children's Hospital, yep. Yeah, they that her the surgery she had there that saved her life really played a big part to it. They they he said that Boston has a special place in his heart because of that and things like that. And I mean, how can you not love Felino after that? Like, I mean, I don't know, just the whole family aspect and putting that into it. And I, I don't know, it was it was it was touching for me anyway. Uh, that was the heart piece that I was going to go into. So thank you, Tim, for wrapping that one up. Seriously, thank you, Tim. Yes, I remember hearing about that because he won the King Clancy Memorial Trophy in 2017. Because after the doctors and nurses and everyone who works at uh, Children's uh, in Boston had helped them out, they made a $500,000 contribution to them you know, thanking them for what they've done, you know, and he said that his family basically because of that life-saving surgery, his family really started here in Boston. So that's really great. And he said that his daughter, Milana, is just totally normal seven-year-old now. So, and you know, he did, he chose Boston over going to Minnesota to play with his brother too. I know his brother Marcus was trying to recruit him, but you know what? I think it's better to have the Felinos in different places, don't you? I do too. I, I, as much as I love brothers getting together, if Felino wants to win a cup, this is a better po- proposition than Minnesota. Uh, yes, and apparently, according to The Athletic, one of the problems that Minnesota had is they couldn't offer term because they're so because while they have cap space this year, they are so hopelessly fucked next year and the years that follow on account of the Suter and Parise buyouts. Oh, I yes. know. I know they are. Which means basically they blew their own foot off in negotiations because they can't offer players multiple years right now. Yeah. In fact, to the point where it's the where, where Russo suggested on that the athletic suggested that they signed overpaid Goligoski by quite a bit, specifically with the handshake that he'll sign for quite a bit less for multiple years after Jan- once January comes around and he's allowed to. Mm. Okay. <laughs> 
Think about how they, think about how much they, how motivated they must have been to get fully get, get Suter out of that locker room because he was yeah. still work like the, because that's the only sensible reason sensible reasons. My guess is he wouldn't waive his NTC because like they were willing to willing to like you know retain. They probably would have had an easy time moving him if he wanted if he was willing to allow it. Yeah. The fact that he you know hung up on Gary when he was informed that he was being bought out tells it says says a lot. To the point where I'm not so – I've learned enough now that maybe I'm not too um, upset that Boston didn't push hard to get Suter above and beyond the fact that he signed for four years, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, I mean I didn't know all that other stuff. I guess I knew about the uh, the phone call with Garen, but, but – Apparently he's always been a bit, a bit of a prima donna, which was news to me. <laughs> well, wait till he's just not on the um, 2022 uh, Olympic roster. How bad is that going to be? Because you know he's going to want to. I mean, he's almost seems to be pretty much universally expected to be the token elder state, statesman on that roster. But but really, you've got your like, you've got your McAvoy's, you've got your Wierenski's, you've got your other. Do you think Tory your Krug, Jones, your Quinn Hughes? <laughs> do you think that Tory Krug could? Adam Fox. Part of, like honestly, I don't even know if there'd be room for Krug on that on that roster. Adam Fox, I forgot about him. Yeah, Adam Fox, Quinn Hughes, like there's this a very good group of American-born defensemen right now. Yes. Oh, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Derek Forbort that uh, uh, along with Mike Riley, Don Sweeney is continuing his love affair with American defensemen because if you look at our roster. We've gone back to having no Canadian defensemen. Yes, yes. A whole bunch of Americans, and then, and then a, a token, one token Central European in 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 Jakob Zaborl. Yep, <laughs> yep. But but anyway, I mean, I think it's it's great. I'm excited to see the 2022 uh, Olympic roster with all of these young defensemen. Seth Jones, oh my God, Seth Jones Olympian. Mm. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there there are so many so many talented defensemen so uh that's gonna suck for Suter if he can't make the team hmm. you, you know what it's okay he went to sign for four years he's old as dirt in hockey terms by which you know, mean by which you mean he's my age yes <laughs> i said in hockey terms <laughs> i'm even older than you i'm aware <laughs> so i'm older than dirt I, I definitely don't act like I'm older than you. <laughs> I act like a 12-year-old most of the time. But anyway, my my point is is that uh, no, there's no way. Four years. That dude wanted four years. He is not Zdeno Chara, and you wouldn't give Zdeno Chara two, four years, you know? I mean, on the other hand, uh, on the other hand, like the Caps just gave Ovi um, five years at 9.5 as a, as a 35-plus contract. Man, I mean it's oh. Ovi, so you do it. But also, Ovi doesn't have an agent; he negotiates his own contracts. You, you think that would provide some sort of advantage for the Caps, but apparently not. He's like, you pay me, you pay me money. <laughs> Did you know that Ovi has a PhD or is getting a PhD in Russia? Like a real one or like an honorary one? It's supposed to be a real one, but I'm a little skeptical as to the uh, the academic uh, veracity of the board, if you know what I mean. It, like, you know how, like, Sebastian Gorka has a PhD, but uh, there were just so many, like, issues with the, the people who heard his dissertation and, and reviewed it. 
that it's like it's not really he's not really a PhD. You know, you you have a PhD. You know how academic rigorous, uh, how academically rigorous it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there are some institutions uh, in other places that sometimes don't have that same rigorous approach. But there is a story on it on Russian Machine Never Breaks. So okay, I'll have to look into that that oddity. Uh, hmm. Yeah, apparently it's in like. Is it in kinesiology? No, it's in... I don't even know how to pronounce this, but pedagogical sciences, research-based education strategies to help young people learn. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, to be very clear, I just made a, a Tucker Carlson face at that one because that just made no sense to me at all. <laughs> Apparently he had been conducting youth training camps. And did research that way, which I'm like, okay. Yeah, comparative. His dissertation is a comparative analysis of professional hockey training methods in North America and Russia. It doesn't sound like it should be a PhD program to me, but whatever. Oh, it doesn't. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so. Well, we steer back to the Bruins a little bit. So, you know? onto the the big signing. <laughs> the the one I think that really was a big shock, and it it tells me a lot about. Well, it, there's some foreshadowing here. <laughs> so, so we should preface this with early in 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 free agency, the um, um the veteran goaltenders were coming off the board fast. Very. Like like all the guys that we would have assumed would have been the logical stopgaps, whether you're talking Bernier or Reimer, yeah, and so on, came off the board really quick. So it wasn't until late in the day that Bruins still didn't have a goaltender. So it was sort of like feelings like, well, okay, well after um, uh, Dallas signed Braden Holtby, that fits like okay, that means that that Hudobin's possibly out the door. So we're like, okay, maybe we're going to reacquire Hudobin, which would be great because Dobby's awesome in, you know, not necessarily hockey ways, but still. Um. <laughs> Look, it was his goaltending that helped them get to the final in the in the bubble. So, you know, yeah. he stood on his head. So he has the but, ability to do it. But anyway, apparently it's more along the lines of uh, the Dallas does not think that um, uh, it seems to believe that Bishop's career is over and apparently aren't ready to push all in on Jake Ettinger, even though he had a pretty good season. But whatever. OK. Yeah. It... Dallas is weird because they have four cal- NHL caliber goaltenders on contract right now. There's 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 multiple shoes to drop there. I, I know. I, I, I tend to agree with them that it sounds like Bishop's career is over though because he has injuries that he's just not overcoming at all yeah this just doesn't sound none of it makes sense in that without that being part of the uh being one of the factors so yeah and he's six seven so it's really hard for you to recover from some injuries when you're that big so any anyway so we're late in the day haven't signed the goaltender there's been some 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 murmurings beforehand that Boston was kicking or kicking tires around Olmark. I think it was from Joe, from Joe McDonald. And so, yeah. Um, then boom, Linus Olmark out of Buffalo. Linus. Linus. Yes. Sorry. Four years, five million. And that's where things really get interesting is the term. Yeah. To me, it says that uh, should Tukarask return even if it's this season or next season he's not a starter anymore 
No. No, and it's it's quite clear that it's not he will it's not and if he's brought in, it will not be to support Swayman. It'll be because Swayman is determined that it was that he was not actually ready for prime time and that his success was that he was under scouted, which is a distinct possibility. Think Carter Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh I mean, God, uh, I I don't want that to happen to Swayman to to put rookie, him in too soon. Because rookie goalies tend to either get run over roughshod, or because not enough t- teams pro scouts have watched them yet. Which in the case, like how many pro scouts had the opportunity to watch Swayman yet? He'd only played nine pro games at that point. Um, right. True. Um, that they're under scouted, so no one knows where to shoot on them. We'll see. We'll see. I believe in Sway, but. This Tarma and Linus is this this Linus is it's they're they're while Sweeney is saying that they are leaving the door open once recover once once Rask's recovery is done he could come back and they're prepared apparently to run three goalies and on the argument that they have flexibility with Swayman's any with Swayman's AHL eligibility which there's another factor to that that we'll get to in a bit because mm. it was a there was a concurrent goaltending move. Um, Anyway, so yeah, they signed uh, Linus Ilmark, who's had pretty good numbers despite playing in Buffalo, but has also been injured a lot. Yes, he says right now that he has recovered from those injuries. But in Buffalo over the last three seasons, he put up 905, 915, and 917. Like, these are good numbers that one shouldn't be able to put up in Buffalo. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, he was responsible for them winning nine games last year. <laughs> Which is good for Buffalo because they were terrible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, and like, and this, it's not necessarily been not terrible. I mean, he only played 20 games this past season, but he played 34 and 37 the two preceding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's signed for four years at 5 million AAV. The team thinks that with a better structure and with better training regimen that he will be both healthier and higher performing. And you know what? They were right about Halak. So I, on that exact front. Yep. So there's reason for optimism. Yep. Uh, so the fir- the first two seasons, he has a full no-move clause. 2023 and 24, he has a modified no-trade clause. And so it's a 16-team no-trade list. In 2024 and 2025, it's a modified no-trade clause again. 15-trade no-trade no list. <laughs> I think it's funny that it's like it goes from 16 to 15. It just it's funny. Yeah, it's a little strange that he's allowed to. Did he, yeah, that's a, that's a weird structure. Yeah, one team doesn't seem so big to me. But anyway, uh, for me, it just felt right. It felt right for me, and it felt right for my family, and also my career. Uh, last year, he's played. Like, I think he was paid two point six. So this is a significant raise for him. Yeah, he's six four, two hundred and fifteen pounds. So that is a big size difference between him and Rask because Rask is 6'3 and under 200 I think so yeah Rask is a skinny mini and this guy's got a little bit of size so that's really interesting he's a left-handed catcher I've never really paid attention too much to, to this I'm, I'm I never just, think about goaltending gold goalie handedness yeah I never do but I, yeah, I wanted to either. point that out I wanted to point that out because this year I'm gonna look at that stuff I'm gonna really know that stuff so I, I can sound smart First of all, I just want to say, I love him already. Same. Extreme Uh, same. Of course, you know, Tim and I are the sentimentalists or, you know, the guys, uh, the two who who like the weird stuff about players. 
you know, I am a player is a person first kind of person. So um, one, he does like he does work with the, uh, you know, the uh, Society for the Protection of Animals stuff. So he did the uh, SPCA up in in Buffalo uh, where he would have a draft pick as he would call it, Ed, and promote a dog or a cat or that needed to be adopted from the SPCA. So I love that. And I also love it when people are, they don't shy away from pit bulls because it's everybody knows I love pit bulls. And, you know, some people are a little wary of adopting them and they're wonderful, wonderful dogs. But anyway, that's why I love him. Tim, why do you love him? He's a zany Swedish goalie. <laughs> like... He, he, like, it's not there anymore, but, um, he had his, like, Twitter header was the Minions, so that's just really, like, he has an affinity for the Minions, which I kind of love. I saw one of his masks that actually had, like, the goggles of the Minions on one of the masks <laughs> that he had, so I liked that. I also loved the picture with him and I believe his wife, where they're both wearing the goalie mask, yep. so... The zany Swedish goalie, I'm in love with that. So I'm pumped that he's here. He has two young children, so that could also play into the whole Minions thing. Something that he and his kids can both enjoy. Because he said that on on free agency morning, he was like, I wasn't really worried about it. Because, of course, he's back in Sweden. It's like a six-hour time difference. So he was like, I wasn't really worried about it. I had to take care of the kids. I have two young children. <laughs> that was my day. <laughs> also also his twitter handle is ice bear guy which ice is bear hilarious dude, i think it is yeah 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 ice bear dude which is hilarious like he's just yeah he's just the zany goalie from sweden and i love that yep yep and i hope he is much better than svedberg <laughs> I mean, yeah but but also, I miss Svetty, so maybe it'll replace the Swedish goalie for me. I mean, like they did draft, they did draft a literal new Svetty though for you. That's true. They did draft a l- actual Svetty, so we'll see. Yes, yes. Well, I'm just saying right now he can kind of try to fill the Svetty-sized hole in your heart. But anyway. You know, at first I wasn't that excited about the signing, but the more I know about Linus, I'm like, yes, this is the Linus we should have, as opposed to the other one that we sent back to Sweden, who is not good at defense. So, yes, exactly. He also built a playhouse, like an actual small playhouse for his kids in Sweden, and it looks like a just like a tiny ha- like a tiny house someone would live in. It looks legit. Holy cow! Crazy I'm goalies at have his... to have crazy hobbies. He has, it looks like he has dogs on the golf course, so that's awesome, too. Like, he, he's fun. Yeah, I have no doubt that he has animals. Uh, he seems to really love them, so that's good. I love that. So then the surprise came down after the Ulmark signing. Dan Fladesh was traded to Calgary for a third next year. So we just spent six years developing this goalie and traded him for a draft pick in the same round that he was originally taken. I think that Swayman was looking too good. Well, and again, he was going to have to go through waivers in the fall. He's clearly not actually ready for ready to be the backup on a contending team. So what were you going to do? Right. And this team is reportedly still like traumatized from losing Malcolm Subban, even though like, meh. (laughs) 
Yeah, poor Malcolm. <laughs> He's just going to be like a career backup, I think. Uh, yeah. You know, and okay. He's still with Chicago, right? Yeah, he's still at RFA, I think. But but I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. If Flurry's apparently going to play, they have Flurry, and obviously Kevin Lankinen is going to be their uh, their backup, not Subban or Delia. So at this point, if I was him, why would you even want to sign as an RFA there? Like, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's not time for me to think about the future of Malcolm Subban, but no. I do have to think about the future of the Bruins, especially after we got the the really heavy news on Friday afternoon. So preface, um, or Sweeney during his presser about all of the free agent signings, which also includes some AHL moves. Most of those, whatever. Although they signed uh, Sam Assel into a um uh, into an ELC, so good for him after two years on a AHL contract. Said among other things that. They were, quote-unquote, open to Krejci and Rask returns despite having about a million dollars in cap space. And that if Krejci didn't return, ominous music. Foreboding. Foreshadowing. They would be doing, quote, second-line center by committee, which, um, if you've been following this team for the last half decade or so on the matter of second-line wingers. Or third-line center. <laughs> Remember that was there a thing in the, too. In the in the the pre-coil time, in the post-Kelly pre-coil times, yeah. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of this position by commu- committee, and it largely hasn't worked as well as they wanted. Yeah, it really yeah. hasn't worked at all. Yeah. So that sends um, a little bit of panic into people's minds, I would think. Well, considering it's one of the areas where this team has always been so strong with their top two centers being one of the best one-two punches in the league besides like Edmonton and Pittsburgh. And I guess if you, yeah, I suppose you I suppose like Toronto, but like. Uh, what has Toronto done? They haven't even gotten out of the first round. <laughs> I mean, just I'm just talking on pure material strength of their first two centers. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Anyway, so two days later, Krejci announces that he is going to play in the Czech Republic for entirely defensible reasons. Oh. His kids don't speak Czech. His parents don't speak English. His parents are getting older. He would like his kids to have a relationship with his parents. He would like – he stated that when he was 20 years old and first put on the black and – and gold, the spoke to be Jersey. He was 4,000 miles away from home. And then he would play his career, a 15 year career, not in front of his parents, not in front of the people who made the sacrifices to get him to where he is. So mm-hmm. every reason that he wants to play in the check and not that it has to be our opinion at all. We don't have to approve this. This is for him. Every reason that he stated is very noble overall reason why he wants to do that. And uh, and he just, I'm just sad, of course, obviously. But I'm gutted, like absolutely fucking gutted. Okay, yes, that that is the word I used on Friday when we spoke about it in our group chat. I'm not using the word retirement. Nobody should use the word retirement because he said he won't be a stranger and he'll be back soon. Uh, whatever that means. He'll be back. Yeah, like, like straight up, you'll see me in TD Garden soon, which like, 
that set off a certain amount of um, uh, almost certainly, you know, going through the five stages, uh, wild-eyed ideas by certain by certain sectors. Oh, y- yes, yes. Let's get into that real quick. It does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> it, it does not. I, some people suggested it means that he will sign, he'll play part of the season there and then sign back in Boston. That's fucking insane. Because it, he, if he doesn't stay a full year there, and let's face it, multiple years, it, he will not be able to achieve the objectives in playing at home. Exactly, exactly. And another thing is, is that uh, he would not go to play in Czech for like two months and then come back before the December 13th deadline so that he could, uh, could didn't have to pass through waivers to sign with the Bruins. So, like, get those thoughts out of your head. Like, the people were thinking these things. Oh, he'll be back in time for the playoffs. No, he's not coming back for the playoffs. It, it just can't happen. Even if Don Sweeney moved the money around, it, he just can't do it. Okay? It, it just doesn't make any sense for, for Krejci. No. And even, especially if Don Sweeney moves the money around, he's going to move it around to sign Tuca around midseason. So... Or not midseason, but you know, before that point. Yeah. So 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 anyway, it, it might be more of a like, hey, I'll see you guys. I'll be back around, or maybe I'll just finish my career with one last stint in Boston. I don't know. I don't know what it means, but it doesn't mean this year. So, uh, and it probably doesn't mean next year. So. I mean, there there are other are exogenous factors. Like his his wife is an American. If 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 the language barrier proves problematic to her, things might change. Right, right. Personally, I just feel like his parents could have picked up English, <laughs> and, and like, his I wife could have also he, picked under, up Czech. Uh, and I understand he's very busy. But, like, you should have been raising the kids to be bilingual from day one. That's when it's easiest to teach kid language. Teach kid language just, just right off the bat. You know what? Just say that Dave's, that Dave's going to talk to the kids in Czech. Mom's going to talk to the kids in English. And they'll end up learning both or, you know, some sort of bastardized hybrid of the two. Again, I have, I have cousins that were raised trilingual and they drift in and out all the time. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> I absolutely love it when you, you see like a parent speaking to their children in their native language and the kids respond in English. <laughs> that cracks me up because it's like, I understand what you're saying, but I'm speaking in the language I want to. <laughs> well, there's it. my cousins. My, my aunt will address them in, in, in English and they will respond in, 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 um, uh, in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Or, or 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 some form of or some form of Spanglish. Yeah, you know, drift, drift in and out mid sentence and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> it is easier now now more than ever to just pick up a second language. You know, there are so many apps out there that you can just learn a little bit every day, and it's like not a really big pressure to do it. Um, but you know, also I think with your kids, it's like I think it's always a shame when you have a parent who uh, comes to hear from another country and does not teach their children their native language, you know, uh, because I just feel like, you know, I was thinking about that this, that this morning and um, we, uh, you know, we, we want people to assimilate and that makes them feel like they have to just totally take their, their culture and their language and throw it away. And that's wrong. 
uh, because we're a melting pot and we should have, uh, you know, the ability to have people of all different language speaking abilities and all that. But my point is, is that his wife should have been picking up some stuff. His kids should have been taught right off the bat. But, you know, this is how he did it. It's fine. He's going back to Czech Republic. And it's good for his kids. It's good for family. He's a family guy. Good for him. I was gutted on, on Friday afternoon when I got the notification. I was shopping and I feel like I just stopped breathing for a little bit. And I definitely just went into like, I felt like a zombie after that. It was I, all just, I could do to get out of there. I, I was just so unprepared. I, I Unprepared for Krejci-less Bruins. I am more ready for post-Bergeron than I was for post-Krejci, I think. We'll find out when the, when, when the former happens. But... Mm. I don't even want to think about that. I like we just we just saw him resurgent with Hall. We so we figured there was every incentive, like as a professional, for him to resign. Like a full season of Hall Smith Krejci, I think would have been better than vintage Krejci with with Horton and Luch. Well, you just saw how Krejci just seemed to to just become the Matrix again with the little well, bit of time, and he's coming off of an extraordinary defensive season too. Like he'll never get the credit he deserves for these things because he plays on the same team as as Bergeron, sort of like Marshawn, you know, never win a Selkie either because for that exact reason, despite the fact that he should be in the conversation most seasons. <laughs> I um, hello Tuka. <laughs> I saw her washing herself all the time there, and now she's up close. I mean, I think even seeing the Bergeron thing coming, I still will be very upset. Like, I will probably not want to talk to anybody for days but anyway uh, yeah i i just feel like i feel like taylor hall's the big loser in this yeah like 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 taylor hall must have like he couldn't possibly have signed to that would be after being told that that, that Krejci is gone knowing that Krejci was going if they knew at that point because like yikes I don't want to think of it as being like that. I, I still really think that uh, Taylor Hall wanted to be in Boston and I think it'll be fine. I just feel like it's, it could have been so much better, but mostly I feel so bad for David Krejci that when they finally actually found the piece, the pieces to work around him, right? When they finally put some effort into it and, and you know, it was working that he was just, so I think he was just so mentally tired of this. Mm-hmm. And, and he had already made his decision that he wanted to go back anyway before for different reasons. And so it was just too little too late for him. And I feel bad for him because we squandered some years of his. I mean, sure, 2013 was was uh, a good run. And 2019 was a great run. But the results were still the same. They didn't come home with the cup. Mm-hmm. And then in between those, well, I mean, up until like this year, it was winger by committee. And it was so, so awful for him. I feel like Peter Shirelli and Don Sweeney screwed him. They did. So I, I, mm-hmm. feel, I feel for him. I'm glad he's going to go home. He's going to play in front of his parents and, and his, his other family members. He's going to destroy that NA, that sub AHL level league. He's going to absolutely de- he's going to absolutely decimate the extra league. I, I half suspect he's going to get bored with it. <laughs> right. Well, but maybe he'll win the Golden Stick again. You never know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
because pasta has been winning it. <laughs> I feel bad for pasta because he's not going to have somebody to imitate during uh, warm-ups. Oh, that's so sad. And I, and here's the other thing is like in the off chance that any killers don't go to the uh, Olympics, which isn't still isn't a done deal. <laughs> Krejci has now positioned himself to be the captain of the Czech team. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Good, good, good. That'll be right. That'll be fine. And I also think that you know because Sean Corrali signed with another team two days before David Krejci didn't have anybody to go for cheesesteaks with. Maybe he's going to miss him. That's why he's just decided, well, this is done now. <laughs> now, crazy related discussion. So 14 years in this team, twice the amount of playoff scoring leader, you know, quietly just like a, just such an essential part of this team for the last decade and a half. Do the Bruins end up retiring 46? So to basically, do they do right by him or does he get cashmined? And then the follow-up is if they do do right by him, do they do it on a reasonable timeline or does he get Middletoned? I think he gets Middletoned. Okay. Let me just give my reasoning. Okay. Uh, I feel like uh, his stats are, are great and everything, but there's just – there maybe there was something about being quiet, crazy, and doing his things quietly and then – Again, not having the wingers in place, even though he had great results with middling players, I feel like he's just kind of so silent but deadly that he's going to get overlooked and that they will do the Middleton treatment. That's all. So he'll be eventually get his number retired, just not terribly soon. Okay. Tim, right. I mean, think? because you, you have you have Chara and you have uh, Bergeron and honestly, Marshan's making a case. Marshawn, I think at this point, is a shoe in. No. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying for right away retirements. Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead, Tim. I'm sorry. I go back and forth on this. I think he'll definitely, I think it'll eventually happen. But I do think it'll be something where it happens, like, it sucks to say. But I think it's going to happen, like, after he passes away. So, no. like, a, like, way down the I think it's, no I think it's going to be that. some. I think it's going to be something that's going to be way down the line. No, if it takes more than 20 years, it just simply isn't happening. Like, that's just how this league works. <laughs> Hence Cashman. Yeah. Like, Cashman, like, should be in the rafters, and it's never going to happen, though. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Rick Middleton had to do something else before he got in there. Like, he was, like, uh, he uh, coached the sledge hockey team that won gold you know, one year. So it was like, there was like another thing. It was like, oh, okay, well, here we go. So Krejci's going to have to like do something really spectacular for some reason. And, and it shouldn't have to be that way, but I think it's going to be kind of like that. Or, you know, and I think this is a very interesting argument because a lot of people are like, is he going to get retired or not? And, and instead, we realize the different levels of being retired versus not retired. Right, having your number retired versus not. I was gonna say, there's, there's right away. There's take a little bit longer than it should, like say, Cam, mm -hmm. who's like, um, take way longer than it should, or get jobbed. Right, right. I'm hoping for the Cam scenario. So you know, ten fifteen, ten fifteen years after he's done, as opposed to twenty to thirty. <laughs> but right. yeah, I, I just feel like 
not that Krejci doesn't deserve it. I just feel like, again, it's the kind of like he's the silent killer. He's the like, big oh, thing no. is how many how many center centermen in Bruins history are unambiguously better Boston Bruins centers than Krejci. Obviously Bergeron and Espo. After that, you know, I mean, you got guys like like Nifty, obviously, and like and and, and Sanderson, but like. And he would be one of the first. He'd be like the first European being retired too, wouldn't he? I mean, unless they Chara's going to be retired, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> oh, I have a, uh, I have a question about Chara. Do you try to get him to come back? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. That, I agree. Honestly, like even if it involves ending up playing him on his offside, like because like I don't really think Clifton's an everyday defenseman. He's a good guy to have in your toolkit, but the guy, you know. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, I just I just wanted to know because it's been on my mind. For me to deal with the crazy news, I had to really uh, I didn't want to be really reactive. Uh, obviously with our group I I said how I felt. I felt gutted and I felt like a zombie for pretty much the rest of the day. By the time I was driving home, I decided I just wanted to sit with it and be mindful, which is very hard for me in some respects, but it's something I'm trying to do. Because I can be very reactionary. So I, I being able to sit with it for a few minutes, uh, I was able to come up with like, these are all great reasons for Krejci to go home. I absolutely applaud his decision. I am sad for us as Bruins fans. There you go. Yeah, I'm sad for Ty- Taylor Hall. Sad for Bruins fans. Uh, but I think it's a, I think it's a good move for him. Hopefully he does get bored. And he wants to come back. So now what? What's going to happen at 2C? There are what it <laughs> appears to be four candidates. Oh, yes. Okay. The four candidates are Charlie Coyle. Coyle, Studnika, Felino, Hella. If it's Hella or Felino, we're in trouble. I think it is. Uh, because I didn't even factor Studnika into these things. I feel like he still needs a little more time. I feel like it's Charlie Coyle's job to lose. And I hate to say this, Nick Felino's to gain. And Studnika's the big wild card here. He's apparently working hard to put on did to put on weight and muscle this year. Because mm-hmm. that's one of his one of the problems when during his limited run this year was that he's he's the skill was there. His Physically, he was not up to the challenge yet. I also felt like he probably fell into the same uh, pandemic syndrome that like players like Jake DeBrusque, Sean Corelli, and the younger guys who are more single, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, that they fell into a, a, a rut because they could not physically hang out with each other and they couldn't, they had to be like, they just didn't have the support system that they needed. So these are all reasons that they could have fallen behind going home to em- going home to empty apartments. <laughs> yes. Yes. And having only a prescribed amount of time that they can interact with their ter- teammates and then no yeah. one else. Uh, it's, it's awful. I mean, they weren't even having team dinners, right? They were, everyone was getting takeout to their hotel rooms. <laughs> yep. yep. I'm not saying, oh my God, be f- so sad for all the hockey players. Obviously, lots of people went through this in their lives during the pandemic. So we can all know what that feels like to if you had to deal with that being single. It's just tough. It really, 
very, very tough. So I think this Danica probably had some of those issues and problems as well. So, but this is a year for him to reset. You know, if he does make it to second C, great. But I really feel like at this point, it's like Charlie Coyle's job to lose. And I'm not sure he's a second line center, but I'm just saying that that's what I would be looking at. This camp camp this fall, I think, is when we find out for real if that contract was a mistake. Does yeah. he feel good? We find out this fall because he was clearly paid it with the understanding that he would be a, a top six center out of necessity before long. I really liked the deal at the time, but oh well. And I guess the other question is, do... Particularly with all these signings, I think it's it's even clearer it's clearer than ever that Jake DeBrusque is gone. Yes, because the, the the legion of left shot bottom sixers on this team right now includes Felino, Howla, Noshik, Frederick, and DeBrusque. Uh, yeah. uh, he and Wagner have both clearly lost their jobs, or Wagner's duking it out with Lazar for fourth like for fourth line right wing. <laughs> If you bury Wags in the AHL... It's only 200k, I think, left on the cap then. Exactly. It's like, God, it's such a no-brainer. I hate to say that, but it, it's just how it is. But but basically, it's too many left shots. So, like, assuming they all end up in the bottom six, which, again, like, they're probably not going to because we don't have a, test, a 2C. So, so, so Coyle's going to move up the food chain, which incidentally leads an alarmingly small number of right shots in the bottom six on its own, which is another problem on its own, which is another problem. Because you're looking at an all-left-shot third line then. So DeBrusque is out the door. Do the Bruins use that fact to get a serviceable second-line center? Namely, of course, Christian Dvorak. Which they had been trying... uh, They reportedly were in trade talks with Arizona before Arizona got rid of... Or uh, Jim Benning took on the the terrible contract of Oliver ekman Larson. With the sweetener of Connor Garland, who quickly signed with the Canucks. Yeah, that became less urgent for them to shed money at that point. But I would love to get Dvorak because that guy scored 31 points on a bad team last year. Imagine what he could do on a good team. And he uh, is 25 and makes $4.45 million for the next four seasons. Wow, they locked him up early. That was sort of a, a, a John Chaka thing is signing their young guys out of their ELCs to overlong contracts, trying to keep the ELC, keep the rates down. It hasn't worked terribly well on them on a couple fronts like um, Keller and Schmaltz have not really been up to the challenge of what they're being paid. <laughs> but it sounds like Tavorek was the was the model. Yeah, he would have based that off because I look that, at that, that and I'm like, that, that's the platonic ideal of trying to do that, of overpaying slightly for a long time, knowing that soon enough it'll be an underpay. Right. It's a hard right. thing to get a player to sign on to. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. Yeah. You, they don't want to buy up their UFA years. Like it almost has to be a one point five to two million dollar overpay at the time of the contract. Right. The more I looked at Dvorak, the more I thought, yep, this is a good idea. Uh, I would definitely trade Jake DeBrusque and picks for that you'd have to send something else with it like um you have to offload john moore or wagner or ideally both oh my god god forbid i know I, right I, I know could you make me want to do this this deal well, more? I, i'd get i'd give up i'd give up extra assets for it i would give up extra assets to get them gone 
John Moore's been a coyote before, too. This wouldn't be new to him. Give them Urho. I don't care. Just go. <laughs> Honestly, I would even consider Studnica as the currency to make all that happen. Just, if you're acquiring Dvorak, do you, do you need Studnica anymore? No, goodbye. I'm not that tied in with Studnica. But, you know, the all, uh, the other thing is I have not wanted John Moore around here for a long time. I questioned the contract at the time. I thought he was Seattle bait, what he wasn't. And goodbye. I'm gone. You know, you Bruins have gotten less than a full season of play out of him in three seasons so far. Yes. And he yes. is and, and he has no place on this roster. Yes, and he gets worse all the time. Take you and your stupidly long eyelashes and go away. Now here's the thing about Dvorak too. It isn't just that he played well this year and he's, you know, he's been reliably 30 something 30 something points in the NHL which isn't super impressive but again this year happened in much fewer games he absolutely brutalized the OHL to the tune of 52 69 121 in 59 games in 1516 oh my god now mind you he was he was centering Marner and Mac Chuck so like that would do it but <laughs> Yeah, but he, you said that he played well with Taylor Hall as well. He played, he, apparently, like, um, uh, I think uh, Connor Ryan, I think, had a piece about that yesterday or something like that. He was, uh, that he put up quite good numbers, particularly, like, his underlyings with Taylor Hall last year in in, uh, in Arizona. He just makes so much sense. Yeah, I, I, I like this. I was sold on this. He's another like, left shot center, which is, like, the only argument against him. I wanted this, like, two weeks ago. Let's do it. I, I don't see the problem. Just make Pull. it so. Overpay if you have to. That's a good contract. Yes. Get it. Take him. I, that's all. Okay. Yes, I want that. Well, I I agree that I want that. I'm going to play like devil's advocate here just a little bit. And part of me believes that if they get rid of DeBrusque, it's going to be for picks rather than a player just to get the cap space. Well, 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 but that's, there's the thing in this case, you're turning around and using the cap space for what they need to use it. If you want to give Bergie and Marshy one more good run, this is it. This is the year. Of course. This is what I, you do. And, and he's cheap and on term, which means it's like, Hey, if Bergie retires after next year, we at least have something vaguely resembling a competent center group. And I agree with all of that, but here's the thing. I think part of it is that I would part of me expects them to trade them for picks and go into the season with space. And part of the reason why I believe that is Jacobs and how the pandemic hit the hit them and everything like that. Just part of me believes that they're not going to spend. Did you see how much money they just threw around Tim? I got something to say about that. The more you spend to the cap, the less the players get back from their escrow. It actually behooves the owners to spend more to the cap because they're winning the the money back from the players. So I know that, you know, it's like we sit there and we're, we're talking about like, oh, he doesn't want to put out that much salary right now. Yes, notori- uh, Jacobs is notoriously cheap and he's got several things you know, several of the players are not actually being paid what their cap hits are this this season. Okay, but the more you spend to the cap, 
the less of the escrow that the players get back so that the owners get that back. And the bottom line is if you go into the season without fixing the center, here's the thing. You know what? Then you're then you're ending up in a bidding war at the deadline for Thomas Hurdle. And like, fuck, yes, yeah, sign me up for Thomas Hurdle. But I don't want to be at a deadline bidding war. It's going to get worse. I, I just worse. I just part of me believes that we're going into the season with this current group. That's it. I don't I see. I, I, I understand. I get it, but like they've said that they're going to make another go of it. And like it's time for Sweeney to show it, you know, I mean, so here's the deal about this. They are all in. It is unambiguous, and they ha- and and I've alluded to this before. Sweeney, based on the contracts he signed, he 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 um uh, he signed yesterday or last last week, knows that and has stamped an expiration date on this roster. And you know how I know that? It's because in so it, because in in June 2022 or 23 rather, this team will have six UFAs. Not counting John Moore because he doesn't count. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get too fired up about some of these names for what I'm about to imply. But they have expiring all at the same time. Pasternak, Felino, Smith, Howla, Noshik, Wagner, and Clifton. Furthermore, they have three defensemen with varying with varying to none or very limited um, uh, uh, trade protections who have one term left on that, all being paid under $4 million. One year after that, this team is built to be blown up at the 2023 deadline. Yep. Like he, he, the building is rigged to blow, and hence Sweeney is there with the kill with the kill switch, ready to do it if he needs to. And he has structured that team appropriately, which again is a big part of why I suspect that Bergeron's retiring after next season. To be honest, as well. Yeah, you got to do it now. I push all in. It does not matter. This team is going to have one last boo and then it's going to be bad for a long time while they rebuild. So if they don't push all in now, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. And Dvorak and and, and Dvorak is an unusually good all in move that isn't a just right now. Like you you have him for four years at a great contract. Yep. While you wander through. While you wander through the wilderness. <laughs> I I love this idea. I, I am on board for this. Let's do it. You know? Oh, my God. It's Mika. Oh, my God. It's Mika. I wasn't saying I wasn't on board with it. I'm just saying that. And I, I also saw something earlier on Elliot Friedman's most recent podcast that the teams linked to Dvorak right now are Calgary, Minnesota, San Jose, the Rangers, and the Habs. Oh, that doesn't mean that the uh, Bruins can't get in there, you know. Doesn't mean it, but there's I just I don't think they're getting him. I just don't. I, okay, I understand. Tim is not trying to. It, it is such a good idea that that he doesn't want to get too caught up in it because he he knows that it's likely not to happen. It should happen. I don't get me wrong. You know what actually would be? It should. I just don't believe it will. Right. I don't get me wrong. I'd get all kinds of fired up if during the, if during the summer we traded for Hurdle as well. Like now, yeah. not at the deadline, not at the fucking deadline. No, the deadline's going to be stupidly expensive. Yeah, yeah. he is unambiguously the best player that'll be that will be on the market because let's face it, San Jose is going nowhere in the next lifetime because of the term on some of those contracts. <laughs> right. Okay, guys, we have to start heading towards wrapping up but one thing i do want to i just want to hit on a couple of points uh one sean crowley 
now as a Columbus Blue Jacket, seemed like that was the obvious choice. Uh, and Columbus is signing all the homeboys and or the people that used to play with them, or I mean, trading for them too because they've got Voracek now. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, Corrali, four years, two point five million AAV, no move clause. <laughs> It's such a ridiculous contract, but, like, good for Sean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were predicting he was playing for a PTO this year, so good for him. Mazel tov. And uh, then uh, the Bruins. Oh, God. Okay, so last week we had said something about all of the free uh, the RFAs that uh, were being qualified, and it cut all that out because by the time I was editing it, it was all wrong. So Nick Ritchie and Andre Kaja both did not get qualified offers, uh, qualifying offers from the Bruins, and they both ended up signing with Toronto. <laughs> okay. Good luck. I, I mean, like, Ritchie's probably, with, they have no left wings, which means Ritchie's, like, going to end up playing with Matthews. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kasha will. Be, meanwhile, Kasha will be their fourth. Even if Kasha has a resurgent season, will be their third line right wing because he's obviously playing behind Marner and Nylander. Yep. Yep. Okay. So good luck. Good luck to those guys. And is there anything else to note about the the people that they qualified? Uh... They are still don't have submission or booth resigned. Neither filed for arbitration. I mean, like, I'm really sure what. Well, actually, our booth is apparently not uh, wasn't arbitration eligible anyway. Submission, I'm not really sure what it would accomplish. Right. So, at this point, you're lucky you're getting a contract submission. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing I'll say, of course, is Bruins, unlike a lot of teams, are currently, as we speak, having a development camp. Oh yes, that's right. Um, approximately none of our European prospects were able to attend for mm. various, mostly vaccine related things. Fabian Lysel is literally in North American, right in North America right now, but wasn't eligible. Mm, okay. Um, but because no other teams are doing it, they were invited an absolute freaking flotilla of, um, uh, of, of tryout of camp tryouts. Some interesting ones at that. So one of them, so, so the two that real, there's three that stood out to me. Um, first off, of course, right before free agency, they um, uh, traded future considerations, so nothing, to the Leafs for the um, rights to J.D. Greenway. Oh, yes, that's right. So he's a, he's a large defenseman, played for Wisconsin, took a year off, and then played for Maine. Um, younger brother of um, Minnesota Wild left wing, uh, Jordan Greenway. Yes. Um, Leafs, he was not in the Leafs' plans, so they traded him for nothing. Um, he goes a uh, he goes he goes free agent through the NCAA loophole on August fifteenth if the Bruins don't sign him. So we have thirteen days of uh, of uh, of exclusive negotiating rights. We'll see what basically comes out of this camp. The fact that he attended is promising. The next one that really intrigues me is uh, is a camp invite, and I'm surprised the Bruins were even allowed to because technically Detroit still owns his rights till the middle of the month. Is a Quinnipiac goaltender Keith Petrozelli. Mm. pretty well-regarded goalie prospect, to be honest. That apparently there is neither he wants nothing to do with with Detroit or Detroit doesn't isn't interested. But the fact that he's here as a camp invite intrigues me. Although we already have a, a glut of non 
NHL level goaltenders because they also, of course, they are yet to re-sign Callum Booth, but qualified him, and of course signed uh, Troy Grosnick, uh, career journeyman, um, to presumably be um, uh, play play tandem with Kaiser in uh, Providence. Were they to hypothetically sign both Petrozelli and Booth, we would have to the the scenario would be Kaiser and Petrozelli would be in in Maine because they would be the ones on ELCs and therefore eligible. Mm. Uh, Grossnick and Booth, there are no can't are ineligible would be ineligible for Maine if they are on AH if they are on NHL two way contracts would be ineligible because only players that are on AHL deals or on ELCs can be sent to the ECHL. Hmm, okay. Anyway, Petrozelli interests me. It's a bit of a surprise, uh, a surprise invite there, but that may also be a case of it was one of the few camps he could be invited to while he's making a showing to see if someone will sign him. We'll see. Ah. The other one that intrigues me, and it's a name that I've seen come up a bunch, is Parker Ford. He's uh, going to be a junior at uh, Providence College. He's from Wakefield, Rhode Island. Woohoo! Rhode Island! <laughs> There's a whole bunch of others. I can't remember their names. Most of them don't 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 appear to be worthy of attention. But anyway, um, those three all stand out to me. Again, one of them because Bruins currently own own his rights, and the other two are interesting prospects. Okay, so I have to see what happens with that. And said Petrozelli, if Boston ends up signing him, it cannot be until August fifteenth. But we'll see. Which is also when Greenway anyone would... can sign. But no, right. Greenway they. Greenway, anyone can sign him if the if Boston doesn't sign him before then. Oh, okay, okay. Whereas Boston is ineligible to sign Petrozelli before then because Detroit owns his rights. Okay, so it's is, uh, yeah. Is Petrozelli is Petrozelli related to Rico Petrozelli? I don't know. He is from the Boston area, though. If that matters. Okay, fair enough. I don't even know I... who Rico Petr. I don't even know Rico who, who Rico Petrozelli is, so I really can't answer that question. Baseball player. Yeah, played for the Red Sox, and he managed the Red Sox for a while. But he, I don't know if he was from the Boston area. I think he. I think he was from the. Well, it doesn't matter if he was from the Boston area. I guess he spent most of his career in the Boston area. But yeah, Rico Petroselli. Okay, I thought that it was Petrozelli and Petroselli. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, they're not, not spelled the same. Yeah, Petroselli is with two Z's, not no C. Oh, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. It's, it's, P, yeah, it's P-E-T-R-U-Z-Z-E-L-L-I. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I'm not even close, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, different and, names. <laughs> and Rico Petroselli, in, in all honesty, he's 78 years old, so at, at best it would be his grandson or grandnephew or something, but so that's okay. Because of the Boston ties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Petroselli had to spend some time in Boston, that's true. All right, so we're going to take a hiatus for, you know, the rest of August uh, and into September. Uh, barring a hypothetical trade that would warrant a, a show, I assume. Right, right. If, <laughs> if something, something happens regarding 2C. <laughs> all right, we'll leave that caveat there. So, yes, um, if something big like that happens, we will have another show. But we're going to spend a little time uh, relaxing, retooling, and uh, getting ready for the next season. Uh, we usually do one more show before the season fully ends uh, to talk about, you know, training camp and stuff. And then uh, the regular season starts. So, 
yeah, I'm going to get my laptop in for some repairs so that I can type H's, J's, N's, you know, that would be nice instead of having to use this thing, uh, <laughs> which is nice. It's wonderful, but it, it makes my laptop less portable. So, uh, but anyway, yes. So I'm going to leave it to Jeff to tell you uh, how you can reach us in the meantime, if you want to just chat or say hi, or I don't know, tell us what you think. My listeners, you've been listening to Barely On Topic. You, of course, can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Podbean, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Um, and, of course, uh, my, you can talk to us um, on Facebook. We're at Barely On Topic Podcast. And on, on Twitter, we're at Barely On Topic. Um, Please, 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 if you have any comments or thoughts on what you would like to see from us going forward or any questions, please reach out to us by one of those, either by DM or by open message. It does not matter. Yep. If you um, do it by DM, I will, you know, uh, I will uh, usually reply back to you, uh, but I will not share your stuff out loud, you know, amongst everybody else, like anything personal that you want to say, unless it's a, unless you want me to. But uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, you can also contact us at uh, barelyontopic at gmail.com if you really want to be like, I feel this warrants an email. Yeah, if you got a novel to write for us, then yes, do it that way. <laughs> yes, yes. So, But anyway, yeah, but anyway, on the Twitter account and Facebook, the DMs are open. So, you know, reach out if you so choose. And of course, there's always our individual Twitter accounts if you want to, you know, have anything to say to, uh, to any of us that you don't want to say to the group? I, of course, am at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am, just give me Christian Dvorak now. Jake Dabrowski and everybody else can go. That's fine. Well, not everybody else. You know what I mean. Dot edu. <laughs> also known as at VA from RI. <laughs> Word? 